a good evening to you all. It's great to be together. It's a little bit of a hot one. I, I notice you've um, made sure you've spread yourselves out. And, and those of you who are sitting under those, those jet engines there, I can under, understand why. We're just going to remember not to reverse it or that's going to, that's going to be nasty. Um, but um, welcome. Good to have you, you with us here tonight. Um, I wonder where where do we all get to over summer? I wonder who who went the furthest. Not that it's a competition, but but um, who who got down to I don't know the beach, Mornington Peninsula somewhere. Okay, okay a couple. Yeah, that's a bit of a favourite spot, isn't it? Who got a little bit further outside Port Phillip Bay, somewhere coastal? Josh, where'd you get to? Torquay. Okay, okay. Brett, where'd you get to? What? Where's that? Past, past Bendigo. Oh, okay. You went up country. All right. Fantastic. Where, where, where'd others go? Anyone, anyone beyond Bendigo or Torquay? Further out? Yeah. Lana? East Gippsland. Sorry, I think it's the um, oh, wind coming across. East Gippsland. Whereabouts in particular? Where, where's that? Wool, oh, Kulamatong. Oh, okay. Of course. Do you wonder, Kulamatong, is that further than Sea Spray? We got to Sea Spray for a holiday, which is sort of sail and head south. Um, Caleb, where'd you get to? Cairns. Oh, oh, okay. That's kind of, you know, right up there. Anyone, anyone get further away than Cairns? Oh, this row. Okay. Well, okay, Mackenzie's. Where did you get to? Cambodia and Vietnam. Oh, my geography's not perfect, but I'm figuring you beat, Caleb. Yep. <laughs> Cambodia and Vietnam. Oh, awesome. Uh, tropical over there. Thund- thundery, stormy, rainy, or... No, it's okay. Oh, cool. Just right. Wonderful. Wonderful. Oh, wow. Well, it's good to, good to be back together again. And I trust that somehow regardless of how far away you got and where you got to, that um, the summer break's been nice and relaxing for you and you've had some time to just be refreshed in every, in every way and, um, um, of course, uh, spiritually as, as well. Um, I was going to... Oh, I know what I was going to mention. I, I um, uh, had the opportunity and... Sorry, I've got to, I need to... Ex- somehow extract sympathy from you. But I, I was in Greece for about a week. Now, I know that sounds, you know, you, you, you're picturing tourist brochures, aren't you? It was snowing. It was snowing in Athens. And uh, I was only there long enough, um, five days. Um, board meetings started at about 9.30, went through to about 8.30 at night, then jet lag kicked in. So just as everybody says, hey, let's go get coffee, I was just awash with waves of sleep coming over me. And I said, I'm sorry, if I'm going to function tomorrow morning, I just got to go sleep. Unfortunately, I, I did sleep. And so that was just a quick, quick trip over there. I spoke at uh, City Church, um, which is the, the church plant that Jonathan McCreese from Hellenic Ministries planted. Great to be there. Very special, actually. Um, we had a, uh, a group from France of um, uh, Roma people from France who had been 
saved and come to the Lord had come to Greece to, to seek God. They felt that they were supposed to plant a church somewhere, had led them to city church, and, and they um, um, sang beautifully for us rather spontaneously during the service. So it was really, really awesome. Michelle Stanhope, um, who many of you know, Daniel's sister, she was, she was there. Hi, Daniel. Uh, she was at church. She says it was a little bit a little bit freaky to go to City Church her very first Sunday and then to have me preach. Uh, I don't, freaky? Disappointing. I don't know. Um, but um, continue to pray for her. Many of, you, many of you know Michelle, and she's there for six months, is it, Lindsay? Six, six or seven months volunteering with Hellenic Ministries and so forth. Um, Lindsay was just saying, um, had a bit of a scary incident yesterday, nearly got hit by a car, which was a bit of a shock. She was doing the right thing, but the car wasn't. And it just makes, makes you realise when you're overseas how vulnerable you are. So if the Lord brings Michelle to mind, um, I know she'd appreciate your prayer and perhaps an email or contact or whatever you do on social media, like her or something. Yeah, like her. Why not? Go like her right now. That'll encourage her. Um, but, um, but yeah, do be in prayer for her. And, and Ross and Heather Henson, we're able to catch up with them as well. They'll be back next week. Is that right, Mark? Next week. Um, and they're home for about four to six weeks. So that'll be, that'll be fantastic to see them. I know they'll be looking forward to catching up with children and and grandchildren, children first, I'm sure, Mark, and then grandchildren afterwards. So they're, they're with us for about four to six weeks, and that'll be fantastic. Um, looking forward to having them around as well. Something happened to me um, arriving in Athens that hasn't happened in a, in a long, long time. I um, um, had had a stopover in, in Dubai, and uh, about seven hours or something, certainly long enough, surely, to transfer my suitcase from one plane to another. Surely, I could have gone down and helped them. Um, but when I arrived in Athens, I stood at the belt and I just had this sneaking suspicion, as everybody had gone and there was nothing on the belt anymore, that my bag was not here, not, not in Athens airport. And this, this was a little bizarre. I, I've never had this experience before. So much so that I sort of didn't plan ahead like some people do and sort of, you know, pack, you know, a whole new set of clothes into, into my backpack. I really had, I really had nothing but the, the shoes, the jeans and the, and the polo top that I was wearing coming off the plane. So I went to uh, Lost Baggage and, and they were able to confirm for me that my bag was still in Melbourne, never left Tullamarine. And um, I said, Okay, and they said, but the good news is it'll be, it'll be here same time here tomorrow. I said, well, that is good news. What about today? And, uh, and they said, oh, yes, nearly forgot. Handed me a, a lovely, lovely little tote um, with a pair of pyjamas in it. Um, Emirates pyjamas, nice, nice pyjamas, I've got to say. Um, but um, but I, I don't know, I, I, I kind of... I just spent all that time flying. I was kind of just a little bit, you know, not thinking clearly. And I thought, oh, nice tote, Brundle like that. And, uh, and so, great, I left the airport, went through customs, literally nothing to declare, except that my bag was in Melbourne. I'd like to declare that, you know, to quite a few people. Went, went out, and um, by this time, it was a little bit later, my, my ride, um, the people who'd come to pick me up had... Um, left, uh, decided that I wasn't around, so um, I thought, okay, this is interesting. Uh, looked at my phone, my Greek SIM card wasn't yet activated, I had a little bit of airport Wi-Fi, but really not much to go on to contact Jonathan or Ross or somebody who could help me. 
So in the end, I, I wandered out to just have a look to see if any of the buses were going um, to, the, to the particular um, accommodations that they had for our, our board meetings. And I, I headed out onto the street and, and all of a sudden remembered, coming from Melbourne summer, just how cold an Athenian winter can be. It was, well, it snowed later that night, and I think it was at that particular point as I stepped out, out the doors, it was about four or five degrees Celsius. So I truly had um, quite, quite the feeling of, well, um, being under-resourced. I just, just did not have what I needed to have at, at that moment. And I thought tonight it would be, be great where we're not going to fully get back into our series in Mark just, just yet, but I wanted to start the year out by, by just recognising the fact that as we look at 2019, the year ahead, as we think about what resources do we have, do we, do we have everything that we need, or do we find ourselves just a little, bit, a little bit lost? Spiritually speaking, the truth is, the truth is that we never really have all within ourselves that we need to live the Christian life. Humanly speaking, it's, it's virtually impossible. And that's what makes the gospel of Jesus Christ such good news. Of course, he does what we cannot. We don't have the reserves. We might as well have left all of our, all of our abilities, all of our talents, all of our experiences, everything that we might, humanly speaking, say is going to equip us to live the Christian life. We may as well have left that um, 15,000 kilometres away. The enemy that we come up against day in and day out, moment by moment, is far stronger than our ability to compete. Christian life, we just cannot do it by ourselves. And it's sometimes good to, to actually state that out loud, to actually say that the Christian walk is not something, humanly speaking, that we can actually do. We're not. In fact, to, to argue that we can only leads to some form of self-righteousness. We come up against an enemy and we are outnumbered and we are outgunned every time. But there is good news here. And I want to talk to you about as a passage in the Old Testament. In fact, when we were doing our little series in Joshua, it was one of the last passages we, we looked at. I just want to visit that briefly because it, it illustrates beautifully the power of God to save. Um, the Israelites in, in chapter 10 have just had a wonderful victory against the city of Ai. In fact, it's a stunning victory, really. So much so that the Gibeonites are really wooed into submission. They look at the nation of Israel and they sort of think, we, we can't stand against these people. And so they actually come to Israel and actually say, we surrender to you. We surrender to you. We just can't, we just can't do this. And, and so they... They come to Israel and surrender, and then there's five kings, Amorite kings, who all of a sudden realize that, that Gibeon has done this, and they, they kind of think to themselves, oh, you know, that was a strong nation. That was a strong army. If they're surrendering to Israel, that does not bode well for us. So they gather together, and they decide, we'll attack Israel at their weak point. What was their weakest point? Well, their weak point was that area that they had just surrendered, the Gibeonites who had just surrendered 
to God. And often it can be that in our Christian life, the enemy loves to attack us right at our weak point. Now, weak point can be many, many things. It can be that area of your life that you've struggled to have victory in, and you surrender it to God and resurrender it to God, <laughs> resurrender it to God. And, but often an area of fresh surrender to Jesus Christ will attract the attention of the enemy. It just seems to be the way. And that's what happens with Israel. The whole nation is all of a sudden had to, to rally together to fight off these Amorite kings and to save the, the Gibeonites. And it's interesting as we look at the passage in chapter 10 then, and I'm just doing a kind of a brief summary tonight, almost more, more of a devotional than a, than a sermon. But it's interesting. They have a part to play for sure. Israel have to, have to actually step out in faith relying on a promise that God gives to Joshua. Do not be afraid. I've delivered them into your hand. Nobody will be able to stand against you. That's the promise. They have to step out in faith. They have to go out to war. They have to defend themselves against these huge armies, these five kings, five nations coming against them. They have to do their part and they go out to battle. But they need a miracle. Time is, is not with them and and in fact, Joshua offers up a prayer and he says, we're running out of daylight. Sun, stand still. Moon, stand still. God, please make it so, so that we can continue to defend ourselves. And God does it. It's a miracle. It's an outstanding miracle. In fact, it's recorded later that there's never been a day like it and there's never been a day since where God heard so beautifully and paid attention to a human's prayer. It's quite a miracle. So Israel had to play their part but interestingly, at some point in that, and you can imagine, you know, if you've watched um, uh, uh, Lord of the Rings and all of those movies and seen those epic battle scenes, you can probably imagine a scene like that, but without the orcs, just the Amorites. But you can imagine the battle scene and, and kind of, it, it would have been epic. And all of a sudden they realize they're winning. We're done. We are, we, we are being defeated here. And so they retreat and they start to run off. And the passage in chapter 10 records for us that, that as they flee for their lives, as they do this, interestingly, God sends a storm, hailstones. It's not a good thing that they get away because they will come back and they will have another, another go at Israel. So God does his part now. Israel had to do their part. Now God does his part to save his people. He sends hailstorm, and Joshua records that more people died by the hail than died by the sword, which proves that hail is mightier than the sword. You thought it was the pen is mightier than the sword. Not true. I don't know. Whoever taught you that? Hail is mightier than the sword. God proves it. So there are two parts here, just as there is to the Christian life. There is your part, and there is God's part, but they are not equal parts. More people died by the hail than by the sword. God did more to save Israel that day than Israel was able to do themselves. They had a part to play for sure. But where they were not equipped, where they were outgunned and outnumbered, God was able to defend them. That is true of you and I as well. In the Christian life, we can't do it in our own strength. We each have a part to play, our part, God's part, but they are just not equal parts. There's a word in the New Testament to, to talk about this, uh, sunageo, Greek, it's where we get the word synergy from. Now, when we think of the word synergy, which is a developed word, the etymology of it is 
Well, it's actually taken different forms at different times. But we often think of it, don't we? You know, two equal parts and the sum, the sum total of those equal parts is, you know, is, is greater than the parts themselves. So that's particularly in corporate language, language, that's how we often think about it. That's not what Scripture means when it uses that word. In actual fact, it's the, the same Greek word that, that comes to us in, in Romans chapter 8, where, where God works all things for good. God works all things for good. It's the same word there too, sunageo. And it, it has the meaning that, that actually there is our part, and God adds a part too. But his part is to actually empower our part so that it actually is able to accomplish God's purposes. There's our part, and God's part is to empower it, to bring his power to bear upon that, to do something that we in ourselves cannot do. That's the meaning of the word. It's in Mark chapter 16, 22, and the Lord worked with them. What was the Lord doing at Sunageo? There was our part, the disciples' part, but the Lord working through them. He was accomplishing far more than they could ever have accomplished in and of their own strength. That's the secret to the Christian life. We each have a part to play, our part, God's part, but they are not equal parts. God's part is to empower us and to do what we in and of ourselves could, could never do. And then the second thing that I just wanted to point out in this, this passage is, is a rather bizarre part of the story, and I'm just kind of looking around here for age-appropriate content. Okay. But, but later on in chapter 10, there is this moment, and maybe you know this passage, but there is this moment where in the fleeing, everybody's running for their lives, the five kings go and hide in a cave. Well, Israel, um, warriors find these five kings, and Joshua commands them to come out. And so they come out, and they're, they're laid before Joshua and, and the leaders. Now, we know from Joshua 1, don't we, that one of the reasons that Joshua was the man of God that he was, was he had an incredible promise from God, didn't he? Do not be afraid. Be courageous. That was, that was the command given to, to Joshua. He was not to be afraid. He was to be courageous, a man filled with the confidence that God can do what I cannot do. He lived that. He breathed that. That was a word from God for him. It built up his faith and allowed him to, to lead the nation of Israel incredibly. But he also knew he could not be the only one who could claim that promise. The victories that God was giving to him, he now wanted to give to the other leaders of Israel as well. They need to experience the power of God. They need to know that 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 we are not bringing equal parts to the table here. It is ultimately God who gives the victory. They needed to know that themselves. So he invites them to, to come and to, and to stand and to, and to place their upon their... And there they stood, just feeling that. Imagine it. That's pretty graphic, isn't it? There they had to place their foot upon the neck of these five kings. Joshua wanted them to feel the fact that God has given them the victory. They do not have to cower. They do not have to be afraid. Joshua was essentially saying, the victories that God has given me, he will now do for you as well. My victory is now your victory. 
as I have been victorious, you will be victorious. As I have had to trust God and have faith in God and believe that he can do the impossible and lead this nation, now you need to trust God, believe in God, have faith he can do the impossible. It's not enough for you to just see my victories vicariously and to live in that. You now have to live in victory as well. The word Joshua, we mentioned this on Christmas Day, in the Greek is translated Jesus. And it means the Lord saves. And my encouragement for you this evening, for you to take tonight and to carry with you throughout 2019, is to understand that Jesus' victory is your victory. The victory that Jesus has won is yours in Christ. It transfers. His victory is your victory. When you think about the Christian life, when you think about the fact that it's difficult, humanly speaking, it's impossible, I'm outgunned, I'm outnumbered, I do not have what I need, I'm insufficient, everything that I thought I had packed in my suitcase to bring along with me on this journey is irrelevant. I might as well have left it 15,000 kilometres away. Yes, there's a part for you to play, but these are not equal parts. It is God ultimately who gives you the victory. His victory is your victory. Turn with me to Romans. You might have wondered, why did I, why did I not get you to turn to Joshua there? I've given you an extensive summary. It's because I was saving this moment for Romans chapter 8. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. I'm going to finish with these verses. And then we're going to celebrate this truth by sharing communion together. His victory is your victory. The good news is that in God, in, sorry, in Christ, God has done what you never could. Romans chapter 8. I'm going to read verse, verse 3, verse 10 and 11. Verse 3. I'm reading from the NLT. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. So look at verse 10. And so, Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living within you. His victory is your victory. Because he takes sin and defeats it, 
just as he died on a cross, the old sinful us, we are also dead on that cross. But he didn't remain there. We know that there's an empty tomb. God raised Jesus Christ from the dead and the same power that he exerted to raise Jesus Christ from the dead is now at work in you and I. Unequal parts for sure. His part working in you to accomplish the good works that you were created to do since the beginning of time, the righteousness that you so seek so that you can please the Father and be, be the child that you have been created to be. That's God's part. That's God's work. That's the good news. And we're going to celebrate that. We're going to take two symbols here. We're going to take bread. We're going to take, take wine as well or, or grape juice. And one is to remind us of the body of Jesus Christ, which was broken for us. And the other is to remind us of the blood of Jesus Christ, which was shed for us. If you're a believer, if you have come to that place where, where you have said, understand these symbols, I get it. I really do believe Jesus' body was broken for me. His blood was shed for me. He's done what I could never do. He's eradicated all of my sin. He lives in me and there is now a whole new life to be embarked upon. God's power at work with him. If, if you have trusted Jesus to do that for you, then as a part of God's family, in a moment I'm going to invite all of us to, to share in this very, very simple act, but a very, very powerful one. We're going to take those two symbols. We're going to hold it and, and a little bit like feeling the victory. The, the leaders under Joshua, feeling the victory that was theirs. I want you to hold these two symbols. I want you to feel the victory that is now yours. His victory is your victory. The work is done. It's finished. It's accomplished. You have died with Christ and been raised up to a whole new life Praise God. That's pretty good news, is it not? Yeah. We're going to um, invite the band to come up. I'm going to pray. We'll set up a couple of stations, a couple at the front, one at the back. Please go to those stations. Take your time. We've actually, as you've got a little bit of time to linger in worship here, to take those symbols, to reflect on them, to feel the weight of the victory that is ours in Christ Jesus. I want you to do that. By all means, eat the bread. Keep the cup. We're going to drink that together in just a little bit. I'll come and, come and lead us in prayer again. But Heavenly Father, as we, as we take these elements together, as we hold them, as we remind ourselves of the victory that is ours in Christ Jesus, would you please reassure us once again that indeed you have given us, granted us a whole new start. The life we've always desired can be ours in Christ Jesus. We can find peace with you and, and enter into the family we've always longed to belong to. The one we've known we have been made for. We no longer need to be strangers. We can come home and we can be with you. And that through the work of Jesus, your son. Help these truths to sink in afresh, this good news that your victory is ours.